Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Passions Podcast. I am your regular host, Latara, here with our guest host for the week, Stephen. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? All right, Stephen, how about you take a minute, introduce yourself, uh, let the people know what your background, what passions is, and like anything else you want to share. Sure. Um, well, my name is Stephen Wenzel. I'm a national politics reporter in Canada. Um, grew up as a passions junkie for better or worse, mostly worse. <laughs> but uh, uh, so generally, I, I do a lot of um, political coverage here in Canada, trying to branch out to do a little bit of U.S. reporting. Um, if you want to follow me, I have uh, a little newsletter that comes out on Thursdays. It's called The Blueprint at theblueprint902.substack.com. Um, grew up as a big fan of Passions, and Laura and Latara, when they started the Passions podcast, that was just what I needed to get through the pandemic. Uh, it was really great to kind of live vicariously through, uh, you know, your guys's like, I don't know, just especially with Laura watching it for the first time it was really great to kind of get that experience and um my partner we've been together for four years so he's kind of for better or worse been drug along uh to watch some passions now too so um in the same way that you got to watch Laura for the first time I've got to watch Jeremy kind of experience it and and come along for the ride yeah that's pretty cool like it, it is interesting when you've watched it and you're like, yeah, no, that's normal. Yeah, there's a 300-year-old witch and a, an adult talking doll. And then the person that you've has never seen it. And it's not only have they never seen it, it's 20 years old. So it's like the, it's like the quality is bad. <laughs> like they're having a very oh, different totally. experience than what you are having. And especially a very different experience than what you had when you first watched it. So it's just, like, <laughs> yeah. it is so interesting because most people have already watched Passion. Not most people, but most people who are going to watch Passions have already watched Passions, right? And so like we all watched it at the same time, more or less in our lives where we were young and dumb and super <laughs> naive and we were that lovable lunatic that we still love and yeah <laughs> like, of course you love Teresa but now you know I did this with my very best friend a couple a few weeks ago and he uh he, like he on the show he talks about how he hated Teresa like when he watched it he oh, like, Terrell? I, I hate her oh boy <laughs> which is so like I was so scandalized <laughs> I was so like excuse me you know but he dropped it first of all he dropped in a in a bad place for Teresa and also you know that's totally fair yeah. and also if I I feel like if I dropped in in that up in those episodes and I had never seen passions knew nothing about it I'd hate her too you know if you don't know anything about it yeah but anyway Let's talk passions. We're talking episodes 391 through 395. You watched those this week? That's what you watched? Yes, I did. I watched like one a week ago. And then last night, I, <laughs> you know, it's like I left it till the last minute, like homework. And I just binge watched them last night. It's a really different experience watching passions like passively um, to like unwind at the end of the day and then to be watching it and trying to engage and put all of the like, connect all of the steps because they don't make it easy sometimes it feels it feels a lot more like work right <laughs> like, this is a job a chore no I um I watched all five episodes this morning I am a notorious procrastinator and I usually try to spread them out but this week and last week I just watched them all in the morning which 
I'm experimenting with because it's like, it's all very fresh in my mind. So I also didn't mm-hmm. take very many notes this week, which I didn't really need to because not a lot happened, you yeah. know. But um, it's help. It ha- it is it does help if I do it closer to time to recording, because I it's all very very fresh and I don't have to take nearly as many notes because I'm like I'm definitely gonna remember that. You know what I mean? Totally. So let's get into it. We're gonna start with magic this week because magic was like the most interesting storyline oh, but but of course it was so you know some weeks the magic storyline really goes absolutely nowhere and some weeks it is like the only thing happening you know where every other storyline is like okay this is so boring we're all recap it was a recap week which makes sense really because was. we're we're moving into episode 400 they're they're and i'm sure i'm certain that episodes 400 401 are going to be like extremely explosive because of where they fall. But uh, this week is just get in where you fit in, learn what you learn, what you don't know. So you can start this show with us now, you know, but it was still, it was still fun. It's always fun. So let's start with magic. I have very small summaries for everything this week. Like literally nothing. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Magic. Hecuba fails to force Charity into the depths of hell in her closet. And when Charity tells everyone what happened, they tell her she was just having a nightmare, as usual. So <laughs> that's, that's like the succinct version of things. But actually, a decent amount happened here for Ch- poor Charity. <laughs> yeah, Listen, that was five episodes of the show, folks. <laughs> poor Charity and Kay. Miss Kay, Kay mm-hmm. is in over her head. Yeah, we're starting to see Kay. Uh, you know what? I'm loving that. I was just thinking this he- uh, Hecuba and the actress who plays her. It's so great to see her play opposite of this Kay. I think mm-hmm. it's really helping her break into the role. And I think that she's getting a lot of experience from Robin Strasser, I think is her name. Yeah, uh, veteran actress, veteran yeah, soap actress. And yeah. she's awesome. She's amazing. Um, love to see it but it's definitely it's interesting to see that side of Kay where now she's starting to think uh oh you know maybe I've got in over my head oh you think like yeah you're what she's she's in too deep poor thing I I really feel I honestly I feel very sorry for Kay kind of this was dumb but she's a kid she's a kid I'm not saying I would have sold my soul for a boy when I was 15, 16, but I'm not saying I wouldn't have either. No, I got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You won't hear me say that on record, but. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say for sure that I wouldn't have sold my soul. Like, oh yeah, we're going to be together forever. Like, I can't say for sure I wouldn't have. Anyway, so we open up this week. The gates of hell are wide open in Charity's closet, which is just my favorite place for the gates of hell to be. I just think that's so <laughs> hilarious. Like, just the view of this picture-perfect girl's bedroom and, like, those adorable, like, French doors opening out and yes. it's in hell and all that that entails. Lovely. Lovely work passions. I just... <laughs> It was uh, such, it's such a know, nice touch. I, I remember listening to Travis and Natalie's podcast, and they were talking about when when they were getting ready to film this, and saying like, 
when the cast heard that they were going to do this Helen Charity's Closet storyline, everyone thought, oh, wow, like, this is super ambitious, you know, maybe the show's going to invest quite a bigger budget or whatever, you know, in this special storyline to get people to watch. Um, and I think, as we'll see, <laughs> they're kind of working uh, with what they have got. Uh, yeah. and it's not much. No, they're still, again, I will, I, I will say this till I'm blue in the face. They're still recovering from spending their entire budget from uh, filming on location in Paris at the very beginning of this show. <laughs> they're just still recovering from that. So they just don't have the money. <laughs> they just don't have the money. Um, but I, I applaud what they did. It's hilarious. It made me laugh. I love hell in the closet. I love hell in the closet. I mean, what? I, anyway, I just think that's a, a spectacular place for hell to be. But anyway, I mean, like, in it makes sense that it might be in a basement somewhere, but in the closet upstairs, you know? Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It, you know, it, it made me think, you know, with because we're going to see the little angel girl uh, and Hecuba, we're going to get to that. And when they're, they finally have their little WrestleMania kind of face off. That's um, perfect. And, uh, you know, it made me kind of think for a second, you know, um, Tabitha has to protect, you know, the demons in her basement, but this little angel girl is trying to protect the Bennett house. And I wonder if it is more than just trying to protect the people that are in the house and maybe it has something to do with the house. I might be trying to, you know, reach a little far, but. We'll get to it. But I, my thing about the angel girl is like, why not go help charity out why not go be it you know go help yeah. charity out go appear to grace and let her know what's going on so charity doesn't seem like a psychopath why not do something for chair you know what we'll get there so anyway the gates of hell are opening charity's closet hecky was trying her best to push her in um it's charity screaming bloody murder screaming for help yelling for help it's very sad um Miguel and Kay had been out for a walk, but heard Charity screaming. So they run back to the house. Kay tries to keep Miguel from going up the stairs. She's like, no, Miguel, you leave her alone. Like, leave her alone. <laughs> Something clearly is wrong with this girl. Leave her alone. He, he runs up the stairs, tries to get into the room, but the door is locked. And he's like trying to push down the door, but he can't get in into the room. And again, Charity's screaming, help me, help me, Miguel, help me, help me, Miguel. And uh, Timmy, well, this was my favorite thing. Timmy was like spying through the window for Tabitha and he yells down to Tabitha, the souls of the damned have charity. <laughs> and I loved that. The souls of the damned have charity because yes, they do. They're trying to push her into the, into the flames of hell. Totally. There's those three demons behind her and it's, she's, she's surrounded. Yeah. And, uh, Miguel is yelling at Charity through the door. I love you. I will always love you. Never let go of our love. And Charity's like, I'll never let go Miguel. Okay. Kate and Rose. All right. Okay, here's bro. the thing with this is first Miguel, that was, it took him like half the episode to run up the stairs. So that was one thing, but you know, he's banging on the door and he's like, charity, I would do anything for you except knock down this fucking door. Like, good God. <laughs> I think he was trying to, I think Hecuba's magic was keeping it in place. Cause totally, then she does. Totally. But it's just like, oh my, the love then, is the only thing that can save them. 
she sees that Miguel being there is weakening her power. So she actually, she's like, if he makes it through the door, he, I'm, I'm never going to get her. Cause again, let me just remind everybody who doesn't remember Hecuba is like watching this all from her cave in her magic mirror. Okay. So she sends like, I don't know, power, fire, fire power through the mirror to like force the, a chair up under the doorknob, right? So it, so he can't get in to try to keep him out. Um, but that doesn't work. Eventually he makes it in and he comes through the door and we don't see anything but like his face. And he's like, oh my God. And of course, having watched this, I was like, and even if I had never watched all of this, I would have known because of the way that this show is set oh, up. It's just a classic kind of soap way of transitioning out of one episode for the next, right? You know? Yeah. That he didn't, they, they're going to come in the room and not see anything. Yeah, so, which is what happened. He came in the room. He goes, oh my God. And it's just Charity on the floor by herself. And she's been, she's passed out. So <laughs> that's not really crazy. that abnormal at this point. You know, that's just part of the course, right? I know. But you know, my issue this week, my issue is no longer with charity. My issue is literally with everybody else. My issue was with everybody else because charity. Gaslighting. Yeah, totally. So charity's passed out on the floor. Simone K. Um, Miguel come into the room. Uh, Miguel gets K up. Not K, sorry. Miguel gets charity up and charity explains everything that happened. She's like, there were, there were demons and they were trying they were the color of my walls and they're trying to push me into the gates of hell that were in actually first first she says they were here they were here they were here and they were in the closet and so miguel simone and Kay all seem to think that there's like an intruder in the house somebody has attacked charity so miguel like goes to the closet to try to open it and see if anybody's in there of course nobody's there because then she then she explains no it wasn't like an intruder it was like the demons of the deep trying to push me to hell and that's when Miguel's like oh well you must have just been having a nightmare that doesn't make any sense but she makes a, an excellent point which is if I was having a nightmare why is why are my clothes ripped why yeah. are my clothes all torn up and he says oh it must have just been a really rough nightmare you must have just been having a very rough sleep and torn yeah, them in your slashing around in bed but she was on the, first of all, she was on the floor. Yeah. And second of all, she's been screaming for 45 minutes. She was not asleep. She wasn't asleep. Unless she's having like an incredible night terror and didn't realize she was asleep, but she wasn't asleep. And like she said, her clothes are torn. And why would she, how, when she's asleep, would she have torn her clothes that way? I don't know. It just doesn't, she's thrashing about and she like accidentally rips her clothes all over doesn't make any sense nobody's listening to this girl and the irritating thing at this point is every if the walls hadn't started bleeding in this house if the the house hadn't been attacked by an unkindness of ravens i would be willing to go with everybody else's like oh she was just she's just dreaming I, you know i would be willing to to go with that but we all, we all saw the fireball. Yeah. We all saw the light destroy the fireball. We all saw the walls bleeding. We all saw the, the fucking birds attack. It's not outside the realm of this, this house that we live in, this crazy house that we live in, that maybe Charity's telling the truth. 
You know, we all right. saw these things. Miguel especially. Miguel irritates me because he especially. He was down in the mine shaft. He saw everything. That's right. Yeah. He's see- and he's seen evil charity. He's seen charity like be possessed by demons. Well, he mean, knew she, she choked was- him nearly to death, uh, you know, on the harbor during the prom boat. Yeah. And then shot lightning at him in the in the the shaft, the mine shaft. He's seen evil charity. He's seen her be possessed by demons. He knows that she was possessed by demons. Like he knows that that is what had happened to her. So when she says demons came here to try to get me, I don't know, maybe listen. Yeah, even back to like early in the show around like Christmas time, I think the first year when those like angels came to life in the church and all the kids, you know, saw these angels moving. And then, you know, Sam's like, oh, must have been, you know, carbon monoxide or whatever it was. And it's like, how many kind of supernatural events do you have to go through to think, you know, like you said, this could be in the realm of possibility. The show is like, I love it, but it's so ridiculous in the way that all these characters are able to draw conclusions to exactly what's happening in their storylines. Like they can, Grace can speculate about Sam having a a love child with Ivy, um, even though she hasn't really been given all the, the pieces to put that together yet. But you have the blood dripping down the walls and the ravens in your house, and you think that your niece is delusional. Right. Right. She's the crazy one. You know, again, had they not had everyone not witnessed all the other crazy stuff, I would be right there with them. Like, yeah, lock this, lock her up, lock her up. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that, but they've seen it. They've seen too much at this point to be dismissing her the way that they just everybody dismisses her. So, um, Hecuba blames Kay. Kay goes back to her room. Hecuba's like, this is your fault. I told you to keep Miguel away from Cherry. And, and Kay and Kay's like, right, rightfully is like, then tell me how to keep him away from her because I can't, I'm just a mere mortal with no fucking soul. I can't do it <laughs> by myself. I can't do it alone. Hecuba, help. You're the all powerful witch. Why don't you tie him up or something? shit like that's just off the top of my head if i like can hecuba not do anything to miguel because that's a good point you know couldn't she knock him out or something and he's passed out somewhere and doesn't hear i don't know it just seems like she should be able to do something about miguel um but anyway she she doesn't she blames Kay, who poor little 16 year old Kay, who this is absolutely not her fault poor thing she's going through it because she knows that something horrible is happening to charity she she's the only person who besides charity who knows for sure something she doesn't know exactly what's going on but she knows something awful is happening to charity and she's just walking around like it's not my fault it's not my fault it's not my fault Oh, it, and yes, it is, my love. It is your fault. <laughs> it's 100% your fault. And the, the funny thing is, well, this isn't funny and sad. Charity looks Kay in the eyes multiple times in these episodes and says, you know, you know what's going on. Tell me what you know. Tell everyone what you know. Oh, God, yes. But, but Miguel specifically, I remember just Miguel specifically was very irritating to me because he goes up to Charity multiple times. He's like, you're scaring Kay. <laughs> I, me? I'm scaring Kay? Like, 
she I know that some, what she has something to do with what is happening to me and Charity does know that and she should stick to her fucking guns I on this one I'm with I'm on Charity's side she should stick to her guns she should be a little bit firmer about this I never thought that my first episode of Passions podcast would be like you know <laughs> fighting for charity <laughs> I, I know I never would have dreamed team charity but you know what like just throw her a bone for god's sakes I'm just temporarily here I'm just visiting oh yeah okay yeah. <laughs> I'm just visiting the team I'm not a member yet oh my god my mom was all about charity and it's like but you know what my mom was all about like seventh heaven and that kind of shit and, you know you know and it's like oh god I that was interesting about her except I'm not gonna... you wished that she was your child instead of your gay son oh no <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I don't know your mother that's a little uh, harsh no it's fine yeah I, I don't know your relationship to your mom so I can't say but um to her credit I did love seventh heaven I was a big fan oh my god me too yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah when I was a kid yeah isn't that terrible yeah and it's so bad. It's a bad Oh my God. Show. I was so shocked when I like, I grew up and I was like, oh, you know, like I'll just like watch a clip on YouTube. And I was like, oh my God, like smoking weed is like, you know, worse than, you know, and I, I don't know. It was just very, I don't know, very subliminal, I guess, that you don't really notice as a kid just how entrenching these views are that they're trying to indoctrinate in you. I don't know. They're really good at it. Yeah, well, you know what? It was it was like very obvious, like a very clearly, obviously like a Christian show. This is a Christian totally. show that you can show your children. It's wholesome. It's a good show to show your kids. And we're gonna we're gonna uh, teach them all the dangers of the world, right? Like and and show them how to be better people. And you know, when I was a kid because I grew up going to church and like being in a youth group and like being in a youth choir. I went to more church. I spent more time at church than anybody should ever. I say all the time, I'm not going back to church because I've put my hours in. Put I, in put, time. I put in my, I put in my 10,000 hours. I'm done. Oh. Like <laughs> I'm finished <laughs> for my, for my life. I've got it. I'm done. But, uh, but seventh heaven was so like I remember watching him like oh my gosh is Mary gonna have sex like like yes. oh my goodness yeah. what's gonna happen but uh yeah no watching it as an adult is just like yikes I would not yeah. show my kids this and then of course <laughs> like you know Stephen Collins is a whole other whole other right. story that really just ruins ruins any semblance of trying to have nostalgia about that show but like yeah yeah that aside it's it was not it's not holding up you know what passions is holding up a little bit better i think than seventh heaven and that Pas is saying something passions 100 holds up better <laughs> than seventh heaven does 100 but let, so let's keep talking about it my bad i i'm off on a different subject um so uh Charity, again, explains everything to everybody. Nobody believes her. They never believe this girl. They all, and you know what's interesting to me is that she says all these things. If you think she's delusional and like having delusions, get her some help. Like seriously, get totally. her some help. Either it's not that like or- your mom, your, her aunt's best friend is the town doctor of all trades. Right. 
get her some some psychiatric care because this is serious and it's escalating right but since they have not decided to go that route the only other thing i can think you should do as a rational adult who cares about your children is that you would believe her especially after the the murder of crows and the unkindness of ravens i the just kindness of ravens that's perfect <laughs> isn't it an unkindness i looked it up because i was like what is a group of ravens it's an unkindness wow interesting but anyway um they let Ch let miguel like sleep over at in charity's room because Ch charity doesn't want to be alone which whatever and uh charity wakes up the next morning and she's just like i'm doomed I'm oh gonna my God, die she tonight. Puts up like the Undertaker, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doomed. I'm gonna die tonight. And, and Miguel wakes up like, wait, what was that about somebody dying tonight? And she's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. No, Just I go back know. to sleep. Poor thing. But um, Hecuba's down in her cave saying the same thing. Charity's doomed. I'm gonna kill her tonight. Right? Um, so <sighs> things. Let, let's go over to Tabitha's house. Yes. Hecuba's pissed because she cannot, cannot kill Charity. Yeah, which, Tabitha's like, I told you that it wasn't easy to get Charity. <laughs> yep, I, I loved this. I loved this, like, I told you so moment. Because yep. Hecuba, Hecuba shows up to Tabitha's house, starts making shit just explode. And uh, she's like, "I if I can't destroy Charity, I'm going to destroy you two today, right? And Tabitha's like, see, I told you, it's not so easy, is it? Miguel, you now you see what I'm, I've been up against. Miguel is his like love bubble. It cannot be burst. Like you can't do it. And um, then Hecky was like, no, I'm going, if I can't destroy just charity, I'll destroy everybody in this house. So she like starts to call forth the demons and I don't know. I, did you write down the incantation? Her, unfortunately for, for Hecuba, these writers did not write her very nice, like, spells. Tabitha has much better spells. Yeah, you know what? Um, I didn't write down that one. You know, when we get to the next day and the spells that she makes in the next day, it's really, really poorly written pro like it was kind of like the teacher is like two desks away from you and you need to show them that you've done your work and you're like scrambling to have something that looks like it's <laughs> just acceptable. wrote anything it was just it was bad. I was like it doesn't even rhyme what is this yeah so she does some kind of bad spell but she makes like a um like a giant fireball She's holding it in her hand. She's like, I'm going to shoot this at the Bennett home and destroy everyone inside. K included. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck her. So she's about to like throw this ball at the Bennett home. But that angel girl shows up. That little angel bitch. And they have like a real magic fight, which I was really honestly, I was pleased by because so often we see this angel show up and she does absolutely nothing at all but she like destroys the fireball with the light right the light destroys the fireball she destroys the fireball and then she and Hecuba like trade power shots like she's like blowing yeah. wind at her the 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 angel girl's like blowing like 
wind and and light power i didn't really watch pokemon as a kid but like is that what (laughs) no i love that you like i love that you like is that what pokemon i don't know either i didn't watch pokemon (laughs) as a kid i know the thing like i'm gonna assume this was what anime would be like you know i you know pokemon i listened i would watch it through the theme song and then i would turn it off i love that theme song it's so good oh of course yeah it's so good Pokemon, gotta catch them all. That's it's a good song. Anyway, but no, no, I have no clue what Pokemon is like. But uh, I have watched a lot of other anime, and no, it is not no. like this. <laughs> no, it is much, much better. The quality is much, much higher. Oh, uh, fair, yeah. But uh, they do have like a, a a a cool little fight, which I was happy to see some some real sorcery happening yes um, the little angel girl was really getting some she she was really taking hecuba down i mean i don't know if you saw hecuba like fly into the hidden passions life-size yes. poster and hit the ground and you know i don't know if witches can get concussions but like little angel girl did some damage i would not want to be against her i'm not getting on some, her bad side she got some good shots in for sure i mean she foiled hecuba essentially you know she she won she won the fight because because they fight 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 and then she just disappears (laughs) and that was interesting because she disappeared and then she came back out of out of like nowhere they didn't give us any reason to believe that she did you notice that that Mm -hmm. um Hecuba's was like where'd she go and Tabitha says she disappeared and then then Hecuba and Tabitha have like a little conversation where Tabitha says maybe you and I should join forces but Hecuba, of course, is like, I work alone, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my light. Get off of my stage. I work alone. Um, So, uh, but the little girl shows up again. They fight, fight, fight some more. It's crazy. But it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it, personally. I really did. Yeah, I really appreciated, you know, if if they're going to, like, do silly, like, side stuff to, to drag things out, I'd rather them do stuff like this. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, Charity, at one point, and I know we've kind of talked, we've touched on it some, but that she has a bunch of, like, hysterical moments. I hate to use the word hysterical. What's a better word to use? She, she has a, a lot of um, heightened emotions, heightened emotional moments where she... <laughs> It's telling everybody, like, we need to get out of this house. And nobody will listen to her. She's just like, we need to get out. And again, the walls in this place started bleeding a day ago. Of course you need to get out of the house. Of course you need. Like, you shouldn't need the 16-year-old girl to tell you you need to get out of the house. Obviously, you need to get out of the house. And I think um, Lisa made a good point on last week's episode where she was like, where she said, the, the walls are bleeding. There's, like, ravens and crows. At the very least, there's something like environmentally wrong in your house. Like there's some, if, if, even if the paint has started like running, there's something in the air that's making that do that, that you probably shouldn't be breathing in. Like you should get out of the house. You shouldn't be on the land anymore. Well, did you hear TC's explanation of what, oh my God, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, didn't he say something about it? Maybe it's rust. No, he said, "Oh, I've got to." Oh, the slaughterhouse. Like, years ago, he there did was the a rust. slaughterhouse on the land. Yeah, and you know, maybe like the blood from the septic tank clogged up the pipes, and it's like, 
And no. That, you know, Eve's like, that's as good as explanation as anything. As if that's not the dumbest fucking thing she's ever heard in her life. Yes. <laughs> it's like, ma'am, you're a doctor. You know better. You're a fucking doctor. You know you fresh would blood. smell if there was anything in your septic pipes clogging that up for years. That's and, all. And only the blood comes back? Not everything else in the septic tank? That's been down and there it, for presumably a hundred years. Doors, down your walls, like it's not even connect. It's it's not it's, connected to any pipe system. But and whatever. it's just blood, and it's and it's like hundred year old blood because they said that the cranes owned that land and there was a slaughterhouse on that land many yes. many years ago. Like it presumably it's been like seventy five or eighty years since oh, the houses be have some been generations. built. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like no. No, that's yeah. You're absolutely right. That was the dumbest fucking thing. And Eve was trying to be the dutiful, dutiful wife and not oh, em yes. embarrass her husband in front of everybody. But she's a fucking doctor, and she should know that blood doesn't just start seeping out through the walls after a hundred years in a septic tank. Right. How to get out of the yeah. septic tank? You know, and and w while we're on that subject, it's like one thing I, I I'm really hating on passions today, but you know, I I love it, I love it, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I this is about. about is we wouldn't do this like, if we didn't love it. Everyone on this show, they want to explain something away with a simple answer, like you know, and it's usually the men. It's TC, it's Ethan. They want to. They don't ever give the women an opportunity to like finish their thought. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I thought of it for you. Here's what it is, honey. Um, <laughs> and so, like, but sometimes, just you know, and to to my fellow dudes out there, like, just sometimes, you know listen but also just accept that some things don't have an answer right now it's like the show always wants to be a sitcom in that way where it's like instead of solving things by the end of the episode it's like oh we'll just solve this every three months um even though the storyline is going to go on for six years um and yeah. you know it is what it is um we've got eve checking charities um vitals and she's like oh everything seems to be checking out except for your accelerated heart rate so is everything checking out or what right so she's fine at first eve's like i'm gonna just take your blood and here is my issue again they're like oh you we need to let eve examine you and so they take her down to the living room terry doesn't uh, understandably does not want to be in her room anymore she does not want to be left alone and so she's down in the living room. They sit her down on the couch. Eve, um, somebody says, do you need us all to leave, Eve? And Eve's like, no, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to check her blood pressure and check her heart rate. This young woman is likely having a psychotic fucking break, right? Like if you, do, if you, if you've decided that you're not going to believe the supernatural things, she's having a psychotic break and you need to do more than check her fucking heart rate. Like, because it's her brain, it's not her heart, it's not totally. anything that's, it's her, it's her mind, right? So, uh, yeah, that's so ridiculous in and of itself, but Eve does take her, like, heart rate and her blood pressure, and she's fine at first, but then Kay comes in the room, and she sees her, and she, like, starts glaring daggers at um, Kay, and that's when her heart rate goes up really, yes. really high, and um, Eve says, like, we should just keep an eye on that. But then everybody goes to a fucking party. I right, just... you know, and Eve <laughs> says, maybe you should just go to bed. And Charity's like, I don't want to. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're like, that's another thing. They keep telling her, maybe you need to go to sleep. 
Well, you, you're the one saying she's having nightmares. I think the last <laughs> thing she needs to do is go to sleep. Oh, good God. I love this show, but I hate it. Like, Oh my I, gosh. I totally get you. Of course. It's crazy. But so after all of this, um, the one important thing that happens is uh, Teresa and Ethan show up at the Bennett home, which honestly was like such an interesting, like little crossover of of characters because you never see them at you never see Ethan at the Bennett home. Yeah, right? that's and one I don't of my favorite I've... things about soaps is when you've watched these people for years and they've interacted in their own spheres and their own bubbles, and then all of a sudden you have like the Lopez Fitzgeralds over at Tabitha's house, or you know you have like Julian interacting with Timmy, stuff like that. It's yeah, just such magic. It's an interesting little crossover that you don't really see very often. But Ethan yeah. goes, Ethan goes with Teresa to the Bennett home and we will talk more in depth about the way they ha are inviting people to their fucking engagement party and this fucking engagement party but they go to this house to invite everybody to their engagement party tonight the engagement know, party is right? tonight and I'm coming to invite you today um so she goes upstairs to talk to Miguel because Miguel is the main person she wanted to talk to because that boy never goes home she never sees her brother she was like i haven't seen him in weeks <laughs> I don't know. I, I, but he's here isn't he he normally is here so i just i came over because i've been looking for my brother everywhere and i just assumed he'd be here but, but even um, ethan is saying you know I, I want i need to get to know my future brother-in-law it's like you you haven't really got to know miguel over the course of 400 episodes i mean i guess really ethan and Teresa haven't been together that long but it's like you know, I guess he's really just all about charity. And you know, yeah. what? I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I do not understand the appeal of charity for Miguel. But now, Miguel, I'm like firmly anti-Miguel. Anti like, I don't like him as a boyfriend, as a character. I just don't like Miguel. I don't like the way he's like constantly minimizing charity's feelings and constantly like telling her she's just tired even though he knows that she's like something there is deaf even if he doesn't know exactly what it is even though he absolutely does he um there's obviously like an underlying current of like crazy there there's something going on anybody with a brain can see it and if you spend that much time with a person you would know right but uh but yes miguel is never at home so Teresa has to come to find him at Charity's house. So she goes upstairs and tells him, you know, we're having this engagement party. I really want you to be there. Um, it, you know, it's really important to me because we're family. And Miguel is like, well, I just don't think Charity's up for a big party. This was interesting to me. I understand that Charity's not necessarily up for a party, but if I were Charity, she doesn't want to be left alone. It might be mm, nice to be out point. among other people at a place with a lot of other people, you know, and, and just not be at that in that house anymore. I, if I were charity, You're I would right. definitely well, want to get out of that house. To Grace, I just want to get out of here because it feels like the walls are closing in on me. And Miguel is saying, nope, we're going to stay right here tonight. Yeah. So Miguel's going to miss his sister's engagement party to like sit with charity which i understand i understand she because she's having like a rough rough time sure. but why don't they both go to the party 
I think they should just both go to the party. And I think Charity would be fine at the party. She just needs to get out of this house. But um, Miguel refuses. He says, nope, not going. It's not happening. Teresa's hurt, but she understands. They leave. This K is like her, this gets her wheels kind of turning. She's like, okay, maybe I can get Miguel to go to this party without Charity, right? And I actually, I think this was K. K needs to get miguel away from charity because hecuba isn't powerful enough to destroy charity if if miguel and their love is is all too powerful i just wanted to go back for a second just to say that you know when charity was still in the bedroom and and everyone was coming in like sam and aunt grace and everybody i just want to say reese walked in with a fresh haircut looking absolutely fine <laughs> Reese jerky harmonies turkey Miguel step aside right. we have a new himbo in town and I am here for it I also absolutely want to talk about Reese because <laughs> he shows up with like the the um George Clooney Caesar haircut and <laughs> and he is looking he is looking fresh and fine he really is and uh he says to Eve, he's like, uh, Dr. Russell, do you have that that slide of the the the, the blood, the blood cell? The blood cell. Like it was like uh, um, what do you say? An isolated blood cell, like one cell. Like you do not have, or maybe he does, maybe he does have a, a microscope powerful enough to like examine one blood cell. But the thing, my issue is. Actually, no, he doesn't. I'm gonna cut all that out. He didn't have a, have the microscope to examine this blood cell b- because then he gets on the the computer. He's like, I want to figure out what kind of animal this came from, or if it's a human blood. Because Eve says that the lab didn't have time to test it against other samples. Blah blah blah. Right. So then he sits down at the Bennett home computer, no microscope in sight. Okay, and he starts to say like, I'm gonna examine this cell against all the other. How? Without a microscope. It's right. Uh, and it's he's off like, blood you know, cell. I can't find I can't find a a match for this um, you know, blood sample. And charity's like, that's because it's demon blood. Yeah. <laughs> and they still, <laughs> or it's, it's not of this earth. This poor baby, that's exactly what she said. It's not from the this earth, it's demon blood. And they still are all planning to go to this party and leave this baby at home by herself. I just <laughs> <laughs> they plan to leave her at home by herself with their kids with the knives and everything just out I, she's crazy I'm scared of her I would be no there's no way there's no way if I was Sam Bennett there's no way this crazy girl could be in my house with my kids <laughs> like by herself now again that's that is also if I hadn't ever seen the blood on the walls and the, the murder crows and all the all the other shit but they they're still gonna leave this girl at home with their kids just in a like, house that bleeds in a house that bleeds <laughs> and she's and that she's exclaiming to be and to be clear charity is no longer like super timid and passive about it she's being very upfront and putting her and being very firm about that yeah demon she's not blood. really leaving as much room for interpretation anymore she is saying this is exactly what's going on and this is exactly how it's making me feel and and you know what to still be shut down at that point oh my gosh that must make the situation that much 
scarier. Yeah. Well, she's saying it's demon blood. Everybody looks at her crazy. Bless her little heart. I mean, she's not wrong. You know, if I'm looking at it from like a rational standpoint where I haven't seen any um, supernatural things, then yeah, no, that seems crazy. And of course, it's not demon blood. But if I've seen all the things that everybody in this room has seen, okay that that tracks demon blood tracks that tracks sure sure it's demon blood okay <laughs> i'll go with it i'll take that i'll buy that um so anyway uh hecuba eventually gives Kay the idea to tell miguel that to, to go to the party to go to te uh teresa's engagement party because it's very important to teresa which it is but also saying you know, Miguel, I know you're worried about Charity being alone. I will stay with her. Mm -hmm. Miguel accept this and accepts this. And so does Charity. This was interesting to me because if I was Charity and she, and like I just said, she's been very firm about her feelings and how she's feeling about things. And she has not, she apologized to Kay saying like, I'm sorry I said all those things. But only after Miguel like basically forced her to. But if I'm Charity, I don't feel comfortable being home alone with you. You know what oh I mean? God, with no. Kay. Not at all. At all. So it's interesting that Charity would kind of go along with this, even though she's been so adamant this entire time that she knows that Kay has something to do with it. And that something horrible is going to happen, specifically that she's going to die tonight. Right? So, like, it's interesting to me that she would be okay with staying with Kay in the first place but also that Miguel would let this go as well after seeing how uncomfortable Charity is with Kay right now you know I don't know Miguel just doesn't pay attention or listen he's a bad boyfriend he's a he's a bad boyfriend yeah uh and I don't want to harp on Kay too much but like I gotta say, those pajamas were awful. The, ups, <laughs> the upside down monkey faces. Like, if she were, like, a little girl, like, you know, the little angel girl's age, maybe, like, that would be fine. But, like, she just looked so ridiculous. Um, and I, I just remember writing down, because at the beginning of one episode, Kay's having this nightmare of, of you know, the worst case scenario. And you can tell it's a dream right away because yeah, Charity yeah. sits right up and she's like, I, it's you and you have no soul. And Miguel sits up and he's like, I can't believe you did this. And then when Kay wakes up in her bed, I'm like, thank God, hopefully she can get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> Were they like those Fred, Se was it Fred Siegel monkeys? It must've been, they looked familiar. Cause I remember those were such a, so, like so popular. I've never had any Fred Siegel. The shit was way too expensive for my family, but um, for ugly monkey shit. But uh, yeah, they probably, I wonder when you said monkeys, cause I didn't even notice like they were pajamas <laughs> or whatever. It's, it was cuter than the shit I sleep in. Well, I don't really sleep in anything, but it was cuter than the shit I walk around my apartment in. But uh, she, uh, but when you said monkeys, I was like, huh. That was, that was a big thing in the 2000s, Fred Siegel. Did you okay. have any Fred Siegel stuff? No, no, no. I don't even really know the name that well. Oh, really? Maybe no. it wasn't that big. Maybe it, was just, maybe it was just big in the U.S. It's huge. It was a big deal. Monkey. It was Everything had little, little monkeys on it. We so. used to, like, we had the really ugly, like, 
they were like the hats that had the monkey. I don't know. Yeah, that's know Fred what I'm Siegel. About. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That's the Fred Siegel monkey. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen them around, but no. Even if I did have the opportunity to get them, I don't know that I would have wanted them. But no. teach their own, though. I mean, monkeys are cool. They were super, it was just a super trendy um, brand. And that was like their whole shtick was that little monkey. And do you remember uh, what's the one? That everybody Von Dutch. Do you remember the Von Dutch hats? No. No. Really? No. Anyway, I'm only 25. Like, I don't know. Maybe I was uh, a little. I'm a little. Okay. Late. Okay. No. That that I'm makes sense. A later sense. 90s kid. Yeah. Yeah. No. If you're only 25, I, it might be tougher for you to remember those things. Von Dutch was like huge, but Fred Siegel and Von Dutch, like those, came up in kind of the same time, and the same kinds of people wore those things. Okay. But anyway, like little preppy white kids wore that stuff you know oh yeah okay um so okay. I, I hey, do want to jump back to passions just one other thought about like Kay trying to convince McGill to go to this party she kind of makes a good point even though she's being manipulative she's saying you know what kind of impression are you going to give your you know the crane family if um their future daughter-in-law's brother is a no-show at the engagement party and you know i think that that um that was something that kind of got through to miguel um yeah. and you you could see hecuba back in Kay's bedroom like holding the teddy bear and holding like this porcelain doll and celebrating that you know her little minion is is <laughs> she's getting the job done magic. She's getting the job done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, there's one other thing that I didn't talk about, which isn't like that important. And sometimes I skip over stuff because it's like it happened, but it didn't do anything. And it, it was like kind of always time. I would talk about it anyway. Mm. Um, at one point, Charity is changing her clothes. And it's like one moment when she's in her room by herself. And so Hecky was like, this is my chance. I can kill her now. And so she takes some she takes some scissors and makes some scissors like float across the room but the little angel girl I presumably the angel girl knocks over a little angel statue and like throws it on the floor so that charity like bends down and the the scissors miss charity but the, the but the scissors wouldn't have hurt charity because they were moving at the slowest pace possible right. I actually <laughs> like, wrote what? down I wrote down what Hecuba's little incantation was her spell for this one yeah it was needles and pins trouble begins Good girl alone, Hecuba wins. Terrible. It, and and then and then roses are red, violence so nearby. Don't look now, or you'll ruin my goodbye. Terrible. So <laughs> I bad. Could not so write those bad. myself. Oh like, my god. Tabitha gets much better spells. Much better. Um. All right. So that's pretty much it for magic this week. You got anything else to add before we move on to the next little story? No, you know what? I think that it's really all going to come together at this party tonight that we're going to have to learn a little bit more about at the Crane Mansion. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, very quickly, let's talk about these little troubled marriages. What's going on with these married couples? Um, I'm leaving Ivy and Julian out of this because theirs is really wrapped up in Teresa and Ethan's storyline. Sure. But just two little things that happened. This is like the little summary. One, Eve privately mourns her lost son. Two, Grace finds out she's pregnant and everyone annoyingly makes a big deal about the possibility of it being a son. So let's talk about this. Uh, Grace, first of all, 
poor Eve. Eve is in her office and she, there they are. And she um, is reminiscing or thinking about this phone call she just had with Alistair, where Alistair says some horrible things to her basically and we talked about this last week so it's, I don't have to go into depth about it but basically says like oh what a shame that my poor little black grandbaby died and so she's like looking at these little blue booties that she bought for her baby when yeah. you know and she's been hanging on to them for for many many years 20 years and uh she's kind of mourning her lost baby and then not Eve Grace comes in and just walks in oh to her God. office and uh, she says, you know, what's going on? I heard you talking about somebody losing a baby. And Eve just says, oh, I was talking about a patient and I bought these booties for her, you know, but she lost her baby. And so then Eve and Grace talk about how awful it is to lose, must be, well, Grace says how awful it must be to lose a child. You know, she, she, she's never felt pain like that before and eh, whatever. But the important thing is Eve and or sorry, Grace tells Eve, I've been feeling really sluggish lately. I'm not feeling myself yeah. with everything that's going on, which of course you don't feel very good with everything's going. I would be fucking sick if the walls in my <laughs> house started bleeding. Right? Yeah, no wonder you feel like you have a mild flu. Yeah, at the very least, I'm I'm surprised she hasn't had to be admitted to the hospital. I absolutely I would absolutely have to be admitted to the hospital if birds came into my house and like attacked my I'm terrified of birds like it's I was one gonna of my say I, I, on another podcast did you say your biggest fear of, is birds one of my biggest fears is birds and I I'm just I don't I'm scared of birds and so I would absolutely need to be hot like they would have to I would need inpatient psychiatric care <laughs> sincerely sincere if if the walls started bleeding in my house and birds attacked is uh, your fear because of like the Alfred Hitchcock movie, or is there like a real life incident that? That well, um, <laughs> I don't want to untether you. <laughs> no, I, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, I was attacked by a goose. <laughs> oh my god! In I know New how York? crazy it sounds. I know how crazy it sounds. No, I was I was attacked by a goose when I was fifteen. I was working okay. at a zoo. Okay. And a goose named George attacked me <laughs> and it was a very harrowing, horrible experience. And I'm not saying that's exactly where my fear of birds like started because I definitely always was like uncomfortable with birds. And mm. I had seen the Af Alfred Hitchcock movie like that also like does play a part in it. But no, that, that I did get attacked by a goose. I think there's, it's just a number of things. I don't like how they like congregate like I don't like birds. Okay. I don't, they, they just seem sneaky. And like, if they ever decided to, um, that like they want to get rid of us humans, they could do it. In oh, a they day. fucking could. Yeah. They could do it in a fucking done. day. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, um, I just birds make me very uncomfortable and they're, um, unpredictable. The, the thing about New York is like, there's pigeons all over the place, you know, and, but there's also people. And so people like will walk through the pigeons, but then the pigeons like just, fly out into different places i've seen people get hit in the chest with pigeons like a pigeon just <laughs> flying into their chest like i don't like birds <laughs> so that's a little bit about me um <laughs> but uh yeah there you go sorry no, i'm off on a tangent about yeah, birds back to passions i guess like <laughs> we see eve 
Eve is um, suggesting like, okay, like let's do a few tests um, to see what's going on. Um, and so like in walks Chad, because Eve is going to also help do a DNA match for Chad. Um, but that just kind of seems to be like something that they're going to keep pushing off and off and off for, for quite some time. Yes. So we see Eve get the uh, Grace's test results back and in typical soap fashion, open up the document and she looks like Grace is terminally ill. She looks like whatever is on this paper, it, there's no, there's no treatment method. Like it's bad. And then we come back from commercial and she's like, oh, you're pregnant. It's wonderful news. Oh, this is great. Yeah. You're pregnant. Wonderful news. This, you know, this is glorious, th a glorious thing for you. And then they go into this whole conversation about how uh, Grace talks about how she always wanted to have a second son with like, here's the thing. What irritated me about this was that Grace and Eve have this conversation about where Eve, Grace saying she always wanted to have a, another child, specifically another son as if she doesn't have three children that she barely raised. I know, right? It's like, like you already <laughs> cast off your firstborn son to wherever he is at school, let's say. But like, it's the most ridiculous dream ever. Like, how badly did you fuck up this child's childhood that you want to have another son? <laughs> You're right. Noah is off. Noah's off at God knows where. Jessica we barely ever see because she just feels so responsible that she has to like take care of her own fat family and work her nails to the bone at that B&B &B in that antique shop of Grace's and Kay has sold her soul like you have three children that need a mother <laughs> yes and you have charity too now you really have essentially yes! four children right yes! and you have charity like needs attention <laughs> and you already not getting this child the help that she needs yeah you don't need a you don't need an infant lady you do not need an infant and uh but she's like talking about how she's always wanted to have another son and and um i know sam always wanted another son like why why you have a son what what and then at one point she's like Noah's gonna be so excited to have a brother Noah is grown he's not gonna give a fuck about that baby right that's not yeah. like when you're that old and you have a sibling that's that young they they're not like your brother or sister to you they're almost like your own child or like a niece or a nephew totally. it's not like having yeah. it's not like growing up with having a brother you know what I mean it's so like presumably Noah's like 19 he's older than Kay so he's going to be two decades older than this baby. He's not going to care that much. Like, Oh, that's my brother. I, 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 I don't mean, know. Like, I don't know about you, but if that, if I was 20 and my mom was like, I'm having another kid, I would be like, Oh my God. No, <laughs> you poor thing. Listen, like you just got through the 18 years. Why are you, you know, my mom has a younger brother who is like my sister's age. He's like, uh, like 38 he's younger than my sister okay. he, I think he's like 36 or 38 my mother is 62 oh my gosh okay. right right so there's like 30 years between them they don't feel like siblings they don't talk to each other like they they're not they don't think of each other as really as siblings you know and I I know a couple of other people like that where they, they have like siblings who are like 15 20 years younger than they are like a, one of my students has a 
has a sister who's like in her 30s who's like my age and she's like 10 you know and it's like yeah that's not it's it's not the same thing as Mm -hmm. having a brother that you grew up with who's just like a few years older a few years younger um but but grace acts like it is because she's an idiot um I, I this whole conversation about sons is just triggering for me and I know I've had this conversation on the podcast before but it's just so triggering that you have children and you have a son you already have a son mm-hmm. why do you need another one why do you have like this fear and I don't like that they have this conversation as if as if Grace couldn't have kids ever you know she's like we tried but it was you know, we wanted to have another one, but we just, you know, we, it just didn't work out for us. Well, you had three. Stop being greedy. Yeah, I know, right? It's... There's a lot of people who can't have any children at all. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop being so greedy, Grace. Greedy, greedy, Grace. She's a greedy, greedy girl. She wants all the babies <laughs> in the world that to not take care of. Ugh. Oh my God. No kidding. All her kids need a, need a mother. I think great. I don't know. I don't know. Who's the worst mother on Passions? Oh God! Like that we've gotten to because I obviously I think yeah, Beth, yeah, I think course. Beth's mom is probably <laughs> oh yeah we Edna Wallace is probably that. like yeah. is probably my like partner worse. has no idea about Beth's character development and that's one thing I'm looking forward for it's... folks to see who are watching for the first time. She makes such a turn, doesn't she? Like, <laughs> but I guess when we're talking about moms. I want I'm thinking Rebecca maybe see that's the I was thinking Rebecca too but the thing about Rebecca is she does want the best for her kid and Mm. she she is a very dedicated she's a very involved mother yes (laughs) like she's super involved and so I I actually wonder if if either Grace Pilar or or Eve are one of the worst like Eve, we never see Eve mother her children, like beyond like, don't talk to Chad. I want better for you for your life. But like, where's the, where's the love mom? You know, this, oh my God, these episodes, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but these Mm -hmm. episodes, she has a moment where I'm just like, ugh, that's not the way you talk to your kid when they came in second place. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Um, Oh, oh gosh. You know, I have to wonder about Ivy though. Maybe, I mean, obviously Ethan, she is a dedicated mother to Ethan. She's, you know, but she has three other kids, fancy and pretty and Jesus Christ, those are some names, but, um, (laughs) but she has those three other kids, and I mean, I I get that they're not on screen, and they're not part of the storylines yet, but, like, there's never any, like, oh, I wish they were here for the holidays, or, like, Ethan, you're getting married, your siblings should be here for the engagement party, or for the wedding, there's none of it, you are absolutely right. Ivy is the worst mother. Ivy is the m- worst mother, period. Because think about, imagine being a kid and your mom is like equally bad to all of you. Fine. But imagine being a kid and your mom thinks that your brother is literally better than you are and doesn't yeah. ca- and literally says all the time how much she o- doesn't care about anything else no one else but Ethan. She doesn't say, I only care about my kids. She says, all I care about is Ethan. That's it. That's yeah. what she always says. And like you said, she has three other kids. And imagine being that kid where you're, and you hear your mom like, I don't care about anybody but Ethan. Damn, that's 
ouch, oh, ouch, yeah. mom. No wonder they're never home, you know? Yeah. So yes, Ivy's, we, we settled it. Ivy's the worst mother until we get to Edna, Edna Wall. That, that woman's a horrible, horrible lady. <laughs> Such a fun character to watch though. Holy moly. And if you've yeah. ever seen Kathleen Noon in any roles before, like, did you watch Sunset Beach? I never watched Sunset Beach. No. Uh, okay. But like she, you know, she's, I've seen her in more typical like soap roles where she's like the matriarch or where mm -hmm. she's kind of, you know, this rich, wealthy woman. That's not what we're going to get with Edna Wallace. No. Uh, so uh, later, we're going back to passions. Uh, Sam. <sighs> okay. Sam goes to the, the, the crane mansion <laughs> with some, oh, yes. with some police papers. He's like, Ethan needs to read these papers about the police review board, because this is the proof that I'm not incompetent, but you are, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. you're incompetent. And so he's at the mansion. They, there's a whole rigmarole about like Rebecca having this announcement to make that we'll get to, but, uh, eventually we see uh, Ethan kind of blow Sam off and Sam leaves and goes back to his home where he finds out that his wife is pregnant, 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 preguntis. <laughs> his wife is pregnant and uh, he's over the moon, right? And then TC is there too. And when the announcement is made, which again, this seems like an early, it seems a little early to be like, I'm pregnant. Yeah, in, in like I'm, a high you know risk pregnancy. Like maybe, maybe Sam. I wouldn't be telling my kids. I would Defin not be telling. Exactly, them. definitely tell Sam. But I, it seems like odd to like tell like TC and the kids. Obviously, Eve knows. Like, but maybe wait until like after your nine weeks. Yeah, um, wait, wait for that first trimester to be over, because you are of an advanced age, and Eve makes this point to Grace, like the mm -hmm. the. Any pregnancy is risky, but at your age, it's even, there's even more possibilities of complications and we have, so they make this whole big deal about like, we mm. have to make sure that Grace is, is comfortable and that Grace doesn't have any stress. And so at one point, the, our trio, our trio of Decept, of Decepticons who are deceiving poor Grace and, and all know about Ivy, they make like this pact, like we cannot under any circumstances, let Grace know about Sam's past with Ivy, right? Like it, the stress might ruin the pregnancy. So oh we already gosh. one shock could be fatal for the baby. It's like it's... such a typical soap trope. Is like we have to keep this person under control because it, otherwise they'll die. Yeah, especially considering we know that she's gonna, she's definitely gonna be shocked when this party is happening. The ball is rolling. We know well, what's gonna yeah. happen. We know. So it's like they, they just keep telling us, like, she can't be shocked or she's going to lose the baby. Well, I guess that's And I wish they'd give the viewers a little more credit. Like, we, you know, I mean, I get that part of a uh, part of a soap is like being along for the ride. It's like knowing everything and the characters don't know anything. But yeah. sometimes passions really just spoon feeds us like too much, like, you know, when, when people are saying nothing bad is ever going to happen between us or whatever. And, but if you get that, like 20 episodes in a row, like we're ready and waiting for that bad thing to happen. And right. it's not going to come out of left field. It's going to be really expected. 
Yeah. Well, we we are. It's very, very much expected. I already know what to, what to expect <laughs> when you're expecting. What to expect when Grace is expecting. Yes. Um, shocking news is what we expect. Uh, so they have a very annoying conversation. TC and Sam have a very irritating conversation about like having a son. And TC, look, okay, Sam has a son. TC doesn't have any sons. Uh, okay. Even though I personally think it's ridiculous to care about having a son or a daughter. I think if you have kids, you should like, just be grateful to have good Celebrate kids your and, child. And, and healthy children. Um, but TC doesn't have a son and that seems to be an issue, not an issue, but you know, that seems to be, you know, hurtful to him for whatever reason as a man, as I guess it hurts his ego. Oh, he talks about how, how the, the Russell name won't live on. And it's like, yes, it can. These girls do not have to change their last names. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I will never, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I will never change my last name. I will never change my last name for what, for who, for why? No, never, ever, 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 ever. Anyway, um, so TC starts talking about, well, maybe, maybe we could have another baby to Eve. He tells Eve, like, wouldn't it be oh, nice if they could grow Eve up and be an to this. another Russell and uh, Bennett uh, duo growing up, being best friends? And, like, maybe we could have this. It's not, you and Grace are the same age. It's not too late for you. Sir, I'm a, I am a medical professional. I'm not about to put my body through that. Like, right? I'm not about to do that. I am a fucking doctor. I'm busy. I can't even mother the two kids I got. I'm not having another baby. Get off my back and my front for that, for that matter. Get off of me. Ooh. So that's, an, I don't know. It's just annoying to me. They wish they could have a son. Everybody wants to have a son. Meanwhile, your fucking daughters are having yeah, so many issues. You're not, mu you're already not parenting the kids you have. Well, it's just like, and, and you know, Sam's talking about like he's gonna teach his son how to play basketball, and they need to think of boys' names. And it's like, maybe find out first before you make all of these decisions. I don't know, like, right? Well, Grace is leading the charge on that, talking oh, about yes. like, talking about like, I'm pretty sure it's a boy. I have a feeling it's a boy. Oh yes, the first three pregnancies, I I could tell all along what I was having, but this time I'm not sure, so it must mean it's a boy. Like, <laughs> like whatever, Grace, Grace. Um. So do you have anything to add to this before we go on? No. No. All right. So before we go on, I want to take a quick moment, say a quick thank you to all the patrons over on Patreon. Thank you to Munashe, Marcus, Erica, Breland, Lisa, Zach, Sid, Serana, Dustin, Heather, Randall, Ashley, Hannah, Camelia, Amanda, Monique, Samantha, Amy, Jeanette, and Eric. Thank you all very, 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 very much for helping me keep this show afloat. I love you all very, very much. Um, and if you would like to become a patron, you can also just go on over to patreon.com slash passions podcast and choose whatever tier is desirable to you. All right. Uh, before we go on, Steven, do you want to tell the people where they can find you at, like follow you, get your newsletter, all the different things, sure. just plug whatever, plug away. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little all over the place, but if you, if you're 
interested in my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Wenzel. Um, and, and I do have my, my newsletter that comes out on Thursdays. It's called The Blueprint. It's politics, but also TV. So I just wrote about the Supreme Court last week, but I've also interviewed one of the Real Housewives. And I did an oral history of a soap opera from the 90s. So it's kind of a nice mix of, of material. It's uh, theblueprint902.substack.com. Yes. And I will link all of those things in the description of this episode. So you can find those right down in the description right now. You can click on the link. Um, and uh, Stephen's newsletter is very good. I read it myself. It is very, very good work. You do very wonderful work. You're a wonderful writer, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. You really are. You're much better writer than these people who wrote for Passions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that's, that's not necessarily <laughs> the low compliment. bar. It's a low bar. But you are, no, you are, you write very beautifully. So. Oh, I appreciate everybody that. should check Thank that you. out for sure I would love to do I'd, I'd love to do kind of like I did with Sunset Beach I'd love to do kind of an oral history for passion's 25th anniversary uh, we'll do and, it if you'd love to do it then do now. it yeah I mean when's the 25th anniversary sorry when will be the 25th anniversary it'll 19. be July of 2024 I think oh I guess yeah 1999 that. Oh, isn't that geez. crazy Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, the years keep coming in and don't stop coming. No kidding. Okay, so let's talk. Let's move on. We already talked about magic and troubled marriages. Let's quickly talk about Shuis because it was super, super small and hardly anything happened. Um, basically, let me tell you my little summary. First of all, Alistair plans to have the tape of Sheridan confessing to killing Martin played at the engagement party to break she and Luis up. The other thing that happens is Sheridan and Luis make a snowman to cool, sorry, Sheridan and Luis make a snowman to cool their lust for one another. <laughs> it was sweet. This week was really, honestly, I needed a week like this. I needed a week like this where there wasn't a whole, like a whole hell of a lot happening where we could just take a, I could take a breath. I didn't have to like furiously type out notes and make sure I had, there weren't a lot of like quotes that I was like, I have to get this word line, this, you know, this line for a line. Cause sometimes there's lines that they say that I'm like, I have to rewind. I'm like, I have to get this quote. Like that's the craziest oh, shit I've totally. ever heard. I mean, Pilar's monologues, like bless you for always posting those on Facebook and TikTok because they're, they're great. Yeah, there's the moments that you have, like you have to really get all of all of the words. I can't just paraphrase it. Mm -hmm. This week, I could paraphrase pretty oh, much yeah. everything. You know, it was a, it was an easy week, and I needed a week like this because ooh, watching Passions the way I watch it is is it's work. <laughs> it really is. All right, so did you have like this week an emotional connection with Julian? Mm, you know I I kind of you know I felt for him a little bit I'll be honest when you know when Alistair's saying who do you want to be behind bars you or your sister and, and Julian's saying but you're, you're talking about not just your daughter you know you're talking about my sister um I you know I, I can feel for him for sure I had like I had like tears in my eyes. I felt so bad for Julian because first of all, Ben Masters gave like a really good performance that forced me to kind of feel really bad for him. But he's on the phone with Alistair 
Alistair has been berating him like he always does saying like what are you doing over there that you know you're you're a fucking idiot you're a bumbling idiot think about think about like 55 years of that kind of abuse what that does to a person you know what I mean from the person that you put above everybody else all every day all day every day you know what I mean and they're constantly verbally abusing you and and knocking you down but not only that what really got me was at one point, Alistair plays the tape of Sheridan's like confession, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Alistair explains to Julian, because Julian says, how'd you get that? Where'd you get that from? He explains that he had it stolen from Eve's desk from her, from her office and that he already had a conversation with Eve and she's not going to do anything about it. And uh, he says basically the same thing about my poor black grandbaby she was all upset about the black baby that died and julian you could see it in his eyes and his mm-hmm. face julian was really hurt too because that was it he says that was my son too yeah that yeah. was your grandson like that was my son too and and he says like don't you have any feelings for your children do you have any feelings for you like it was a really i'm like kind of getting emotional thinking about it poor julian because think about how thick julian's whole like facade has to be like oh no kidding that he's built this over years like the the nastiness of julian is like is a defense mechanism but it also is a coping mechanism he this is how he has coped with having a father like the father he has right and so you see that start to melt away and you kind of start to see his humanity in there because he's like that was my son and he died and like you got you can you can really make a little joke about that that's funny to you like it's not a good thing i think he says like good thing that baby died something well, like yeah, that it would have been the scandal of a black baby would have rocked the cranes to their core yeah he's and a good, good thing julian says have you no heart at all and alistair says i'll take that as a compliment as he's like counting diamonds <laughs> right <laughs> that was right, they like, always give him the dumbest shit to do with his hand and, I honestly like I I wrote no I wrote a note about this. It's just like I appreciate Ben Masters for trying to make these kind of interactions as interesting as possible. He's got the magnifying glass. He's looking in the plant, and yeah, it's just like what the fuck do you do with this kind of material where you're just talking into a phone right um you know and and you know what if there was like some huge twist about who alistair was or you know maybe if he had like if he was a burn victim or something if there was something unique about him that would necessitate having to like hide his identity for years and years and years like that's one thing but like we know that alistair's just going to be like a normal a normal like guy there's nothing behind that there's no wizard of oz or whatever so i just i don't know why they go through such hoops to try to keep this up it's silly that they did that for so long because they do it for many years i mean we're already over a year in now yeah they do it for many years um and before they reveal and then the reveal is it really fizzles you're like oh that's that's it that's it (laughs) Yeah, it was just like a Friday cliffhanger one time, like five years into like, the oh, show. Okay. Like, all right, well, is. now yeah. Alistair's here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he so Julian, Julian really 
pulled at my heartstrings in these moments on this on the phone with Alistair I I because he definitely we know well and also we know that he like loved Eve in his own way and that he you know Alistair was influenced by his own father so not Alistair sorry Julian was influenced by his father and he just he and he does care about Sheridan and that that's that he's made that clear too he doesn't care a lot about Sheridan but he also doesn't want to look weak to his father that's part yeah. of it I think Absolutely. he cares more about Sheridan than he lets on but he doesn't want to appear weak um so anyway they're gonna have Alistair says he's gonna have this tape played at Ethan and Teresa's engagement party so that everybody can hear it i guess and then have share i was unclear about this and then have shared and locked away in an asylum yeah and like not even forever until I th if if what i wrote down is right uh is that he just wants to lock Sheridan up for a couple of years and then when like julian gets married to some new woman no, Maybe when Luis gets married. When Luis, oh, Luis, when gets Luis married. marries a new woman, that makes more sense. So when Luis moves on, then maybe Sheridan will come to her senses and realize that um, the love of her life is really just the next stock portfolio for the Crane Empire and that she's going to be assigned a mate. Yeah, and she'll just go along with it and she'll finally yeah. just listen to them. Uh, Julian objects kind of to Sheridan being put locked away but like you said Alistair says to him well would you rather go to jail or have mm -hmm. shit like choose between yourself or Sheridan would you which one of y'all are going to be in a six by six cell it's either going to be yeah. her or you and he says well obviously I choose myself to be free <laughs> and Sheridan yeah. be locked away yeah. but like then he says like ha have you no feelings at all for your children and that's when Alistair says and I actually wrote this one down Alistair says, what value is that? I, I feel in facts, not feelings. He wow. said, feelings don't, incre don't increase your stock portfolio. The crane empire is a fact and must be protected at all costs. Like, the fuck? And the thing is, when he, call when he talks about the crane empire, he doesn't, it's not about the crane empire. It's about his own name. It's about him. Oh, it's not about absolutely. any of the, of the other cranes. It's just about Alistair Crane and what Alistair's will is, right? So that's like their plan to play this tape, I guess, and then have Sheridan locked away. I big by I guess by saying that she was just like hallucinating. I don't know. How would I, that how would that lead to her being locked into an asylum? Totally. Yeah. And like and Julian makes a good point too. He's worried about the family getting negative publicity. Um, from Sheridan being locked up and Alistair is kind of just like well we kind of have to bite the bullet here um, better that Sheridan's in the news for that than you and I for our involvement in Martin's disappearance but Alistair also notes that he's he has control of almost all the press in the country he kind of is like what Donald Trump is, like wishes that he could be and never right. will be um, but <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's very um, cartoony and campy, yeah. how villainy Alistair really is. He's he's very much a cartoon villain, very much a cartoon villain, uh, like Mr. Moneybags. Like, he just, yeah. So I don't understand how this plan is supposed to work. 
hopefully I will, it will play out in a way that makes sense. I have no uh, faith that passions will do that for me. Um, but uh, meanwhile, while all this is going on, Sheridan and Louise are just having the sweetest little time. Huh? Yeah, I like that. It, you know what? If you're not going to do anything, like I said, you know, if you're going to just have side, you know, filler, um, have character development instead of having the plot kind of like slow down the story. Yeah. Um, it was really sad hearing about Sheridan. Like she talks about being a kid and how she would always look out the window for the first snowfall. Uh, and she'd always dream about going out and building a snowman in the first snowfall. But her fucking parents wouldn't let her because she's a crane. And that's only something that, like, peasant children do. Like, what the fuck? Going out to play in the snow? Yeah, it was weird, too, because they. she says that. She says she wasn't allowed to, like, make a snowman. But then when they're outside, she was like, I've always been a champion snowball thrower. Yeah. Which one is it, bitch? Were yep. you not allowed to play in the snow or were you the champion snowball snow thrower? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, no kidding. Um, they, so the reason they end up out in the snow, though, this was really sweet-ish. Sheridan has just been trying to, like, cool her jets on Louise, just trying to, like, because Eve has told her not to do any strenuous activity. Because remember, the lady, the lady was brain dead, <laughs> okay? She was dead <laughs> dead for a while, too. So, you know, they said, don't do anything that might be uh, taxing no on your heart. No strenuous activity. Right. So she can't basically she can't have sex with Louise yet until she gets cleared. But she's super. She's so horny. Oh, oh my, my God. When God. she's like Sheridan asked to do the is... back massage, that's like the G rated version of a blowjob. Like, come on. <laughs> Sheridan was so horny in these episodes. At one point, Louise like rings the doorbell and she she opens the door in her towel. In her towel. <laughs> She goes to the door in her towel and he's like, maybe you should put on some clothes. And she's like, well, I don't really want to like, <laughs> he's like, it's cold outside. And he's like, but it's warm in here. Like, oh my gosh. She was trying to get it in with that man every way she could, but he, and they made out and, you know, but he was oh, yeah. like, we really, I really don't want to, for you to overdo it. And so then he, they have the conversation about her playing in the snow and, or not playing in the snow as a kid whatever and then they go outside and they make a snowman and then they have a snowball fight and then they make out in the snow it's adorable it was very nice it's nice that we're getting these moments before all hell breaks loose because all hell is about to totally break loose. we even get a little moment there at the end when julian gets off the phone with alistair and he goes out to the crane foyer and the foyer foyer whatever however you say it um and looks out the window and sees sheridan and louise like embracing outside in the driveway and he says that he almost feels sorry for them. Enjoy yeah. it while you can, kids, because after tonight, you won't be having much fun. Yeah, he does say that. Mm. Yeah, all hell's about to break loose with them. All right, where else? Is, there's another place all hell's about to break loose. Let's talk about these faded couples. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, you know, I really want to talk about Whitney and Chad before we get into Teresa and Ethan. Yeah, yeah, okay. This was actually really sweet. Here's the little summary. There's very little. Um, 
Whitney and Chad, sorry, Whitney and Chad share some very special and lovely moments. And Rebecca decides to expose Ivy's secret about Ethan's paternity in the most explosive way possible this week. That is what happened. So let's very quickly talk about Whitney and Chad. We see Whitney on the tennis court for the first time in like 10, 200 episodes. Whitney plays tennis. Right. Yeah, Whitney that's plays tennis. Awesome. She's at, the, we open the episodes where she's at a tennis match and um, she's playing. And she gets distracted because she thinks she sees Chad in the stands. She hears somebody say, you can do it, Whitney. And then TC's like, Whitney, concentrate. And then she oh like misses a, a thing and it goes out of bounds and she loses the match, right? We find out that she came in second place in the whole tournament. It's not like she lost, lost, lost. She came in second in a, in a big tournament. But TC, this is my issue with TC and Eve. They do not need any more children. Look at what look at what you're doing to the children that you have. Simone, yeah. where is she? Where is Simone? When was yeah. the last time you talked to her, first of all? Second of all, poor Whitney came in second place. And these two people act like they're like so disappointed that she came, came in second place in a tournament. What a horrible, horrible parenting. Horrible. You should be lifting your kid up no matter what place they come in. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be like, you know, you you can, you'll, it, I know you're disappointed that you got second because coming in second can be very disappointing. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I totally sure. understand yeah. that. It's uh, coming in second place is like the fucking worst. I hate coming in second place because you're just so close. But you're from a parent's perspective, your parent is not supposed to make you feel bad about coming in second place. No. You're supposed to build you up, lift you up. You don't need. Right. You already feel bad enough, right? TC and Eve both kind of trying to make her feel guilty. Like you gotta, you need to be focusing. Mm -hmm. TC says something about this is why girls, girls shouldn't uh, have boyfriends because they're going to get distracted by looking up in the stands for their boyfriends and this and that. And it's like, first of all, Whitney doesn't even have a boyfriend, even though TC right. accuses her of having a boyfriend. And she's like, yeah. no, I don't. Um, but also, I did not care for the way he said girls. I, I And maybe I'm the only one who picked up on it. I just didn't like the way he was like, girl athletes shouldn't have boyfriends. It's like, what about, the, like, should is it okay for boy athletes to have girlfriends? Like, will they also be distracted? Or is it yeah, just right. that girl, is it just that girls just don't have the capacity to have the, all these, to have a full life and be an athlete? I I, I just didn't care for it personally no and you know what I'm gonna argue that Whitney lost that game not because she was distracted by Chad cheering her on but because her father kept being like concentrate you yeah. got this concentrate focus right. and it's like you're psyching me out dad you know um not only that but since when can anybody concentrate when someone's yelling concentrate at them yeah, no kidding yeah. Right? Like you're yelling at me. So mm -hmm. you're throwing off my concentration by yelling, concentrate yeah. at me. You're really doing yourself a disservice and me too. <laughs> uh, please stop yelling. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that would be so embarrassing if my parent was like shouting at me in a gym full of people, you know, and you're just trying to play a game and high, like the stakes really aren't that high. Like they're in high school. Well, well that's another, I want to get to that actually. Uh, but before I get to the, are they, in, are they, or aren't they in high school? <laughs> um, the, the thing about a tennis match too, is it the kind of sport where you yell? 
right? Yeah, like, no they, kidding. I, I mean, you, at football, you know, you yell. Basketball, yeah. you hear people yelling. Baseball, people, you hear people yelling. Like, I, I think of tennis kind of like golf. I think it's kind of a quiet sport. Like, people don't do typically. Yeah, so you can focus. Yeah, yeah. People don't typically yell at those kinds of events because, like, tennis is historically like, like a uh, a game that like royals used to play, mm-hmm. you know, and so like that same decorum has like been passed down. Decorum—that's the word. Yeah, through exactly. centuries. So it's um, not the kind of game where you yell like concentrate, good hustle. Like it's not that kind of game. No. So um, and I, you know what? I wasn't surprised with TC being disappointed, but I was disappointed in eve i mean like i get it from tc you're trying to live vicariously through your daughter and and that's that has its whole issues on its own but eve has usually as as the show's gone on we've seen her kind of be a bit more of like a, a grounding or a centering voice to say like you know, your father has these goals and and it's okay that, you know, it's okay that you're not reaching them. But it's just like, she seemed so disappointed in her daughter. It was like she failed a class. Like, come on. I don't know. I haven't seen Eve be all that understanding or nurturing of her daughter. She's mostly just been policing her virginity, you know, and, 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 and policing her body and letting TC just, take over her whole life and let her le- letting her husband live vicariously through their daughter yeah you know, that's a good e- point. E- e- e's 100% been on the same train as tc the same track as tc but she um she does like pull whitney aside when they meet up at the hospital because they're at the match at one point then they go to the hospital to meet up with um eve and chad is there too she pulls Whitney into the her office and has like a little talk with her about like I I know you and Chad have get, been getting a little close and and um she asks if Chad is the one who distracted her at the at the match and Whitney gets really defensive she's like no mom I know you didn't you you told me it was okay to talk to him but that doesn't mean that we have already just like started being a thing and blah 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 which she has it's so interesting how scared <laughs> like that's another reason you that's another way you know that Eve and TC are not great parents their kids are scared to tell them the truth yes Whitney shouldn't be afraid to tell her mom yeah Chad and I have have gotten closer but that's not the reason I was distracted you know what I mean? But she doesn't tell her mom that. She gets really defensive. Like, I, I'm, she gets like kind of snooty. Like, I'm, I'm not talking to him. Like, yes, you are. Yes, yeah. You, are. And you know what? You're right. But I can kind of, I can see why she's so annoyed about being grilled about this because like she just lost the match and she's had to deal with that. Now she's being grilled about Chad and it's just like, just let her be a kid. She doesn't just- really have much time left to be a kid. Like, Yes, just let her be a kid. I agree. I agree. I I fully agree. I, but oh, so speaking of her being a kid, I don't think she is because they have decided to age up Teresa, which which means they have had to age up Whitney. They have decided that Teresa is no longer in high school. This has been established now. Oh yeah, I wondered if they graduated before the prom boat. They didn't talk anything about graduate. They didn't say anything about graduation. We didn't know who was graduating. I mean, they talked about prom. So obviously graduation follows prom 
for people. But we but you can go to prom. Yeah. When you're not a senior, obviously, because everybody literally everybody in this town was on the boat. <laughs> and um, so, you know, they never and we never see these kids at school. So they're uh, presumably would all be in in high school. But very recently, they have decided Teresa was in high school. She no longer is in high school, which means that Whitney is no longer in high school, which begs an interesting question. Why isn't Whitney at college? Why isn't she playing tennis in college? That's a really good point. Yeah. What is Whitney doing other than just practicing tennis and, and maybe teaching or coaching some other kids? Yeah, I get because I guess they she's gonna i guess she's on the pro circuit i don't i don't know they don't explain it i don't it really is unexplained it remains unexplained works. but i, I don't know, if, know if the writers would understand that themselves but you know what if somebody has as much talent as they say that whitney has like she's supposed to be the next arena well Venus then she should have got a full ride to then she would whatever be, university whatever yeah but either she would be like like yeah, playing tennis at a university, or they would have her like on the pro circuit touring, right? Like she would be all over the world. She wouldn't just be in harmony all the time, hanging no. out, hanging out with her, being Teresa's sidekick. That's what she does all day, every day. Yeah. We finally saw her doing something for herself, but generally we see her with Teresa. But anyway, so yeah, they've decided that these girls are grown, by the way. Okay. Um, so. Whitney has a moment where she talks to Chad. This was very, very interesting. I don't know why Chad did this. It didn't make any sense. Whitney has a moment where she talks to Chad. She asked Chad, were you, by the way, were you at my match today, at my tennis match? He's like, oh, you know, tennis ain't my thing. Ugh. You know, tennis ain't my thing. And uh, no, I wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. He makes this big show about saying he wasn't there. And then we get a flashback and realize, oh, yes, he was. And he, like, pulls out a tennis program. Like, do they give out yeah. programs at tennis? I know, matches? like a pamphlet or something. It was like, it was like a, a program, like a playbill that you get when you go to <laughs> yeah, the yeah. show. Uh, and it had, like, Whitney's name big on there versus this other girl. So that's another thing. Like, I was under the impression that it was a tournament. Why is it, like, these two girls are, like, the on the front of the 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 playbill you know is it a tournament or was it just like this the headliners i don't know yeah this major match i guess i don't know but uh yeah so she finds that in his pocket it's like you were at the match why did you lie do you have an answer for that because i don't i you know and i i thought that two separate things happened because i thought that at the end of one episode that whitney uh, sorry that Chad walks away and then um or so sorry uh Whitney walks away and then Chad pulls out the pamphlet and we see the the program or whatever but then in the beginning of the next episode Whitney can see the pamphlet in his like coat pocket and then they pull it out and talk about it so I yeah. don't know if they changed their minds or no what. both things happened both things happened it's just that that's how we know that Chad was there, but before Whitney knows that Chad was okay, there. Okay. Then Chadney, 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 there's their name. Yes. I, found, I, I just came across it. I, I'm going to start calling them Chadney. Then Whitney sees the the pamphlet and takes it out. And, and so um, he says to her, he did think that she was living vicariously or his she was living for her dad's dreams or whatever. But then he says, you got some serious skills and 
you play with such passion. I can tell that that's really your dream too, because there's no way you would play like that if you didn't care really yeah, deeply about really it. It's really nice. And then he apologizes for distracting her at the, the match. And um, he says, I'm going to make it up to you with a surprise. And the surprise is tennis practice. Great. Great. Wonderful. It was actually really sweet. I mean, yeah, I, would I, not have say, liked I thought it. it was cute. I, I would not have liked like... it, but it was actually very, very sweet. Like, of course, like Latara would be like, I don't want to exercise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been exercising all goddamn day. Can we please go sit down? But no, she, she loves it. And he's like, it was actually, it was extremely sweet because he takes her to the court he gets like the tennis ball machine and he says i want to make sure my face never distracts you again so like you should look i'm gonna stand here i'm gonna throw balls at you as fast as you can i'm gonna stand here so that you get used to seeing my face in the stands it was really sweet they shared mm -hmm. some beautiful moments in these episodes and i love you know what i really loved about all of this where they're building they're building the chadney relationship is that these episodes, they left Simone out of it. I needed them to leave Simone out of it for me to be able to like get into this, you know, yeah. um, so that I will be on their side because I know I'm going to be on their side before I was not because I'm like, Chad, Chad, get a grip. Whitney is mean to you. Simone's right there. Totally. She's very nice. And she's a smart girl, a beautiful, smart girl wants you. And Whitney is not so nice to you, but they needed to leave Simone out of this so that I could really focus on Chad and Whitney and their relationship and seeing them and knowing that they should be together, right? Yeah, I think that was like a really key moment where Chad realized, okay, you actually really do love tennis. That This is something that matters to you. And I've kind of, I've misjudged that about, about Whitney. Yeah. Um, yeah. At one point, Whitney like compliments Chad's easygoing nature and says, you're just so laid back. And I have every moment of my day scheduled and there's all these alarms and all these things I have to do. But I really, I really admire your laid back nature. And then they like kiss and they have, they have some sweet moments. It's really sweet. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to something that's not so sweet. You got anything else to add to Chadney? Um, nah. All right. Let's move on to Tarethan, okay? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Everybody's at the mansion waiting for Rebecca's big announcement, right? Rebecca has shown up. She's got Ivy's letter in an envelope. She keeps telling everybody, what's in this envelope will change everybody's lives forever. And, like, she just is so... The, she's That's so exactly seductive. how she does it, yeah. Why is she so seductive about absolutely everything? I know. That is just... It's, it, it's like that's what that actress that's her go-to sort of even just in the transitions it's like the way she looks not even at the camera but it's just so seductive and it's seductive seductive and sultry and she's yes. just got this real sexiness about her about every single thing she says yeah. <laughs> like and i love it i really do so she's just like holding this envelope at one point i think she like bites it and she's just <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous um, but she keeps getting interrupted. She's ready to give this yeah. announcement, but she keeps kind of getting interrupted. Everybody's here. Ethan, Teresa, Pilar, Sam, Ivy, Julian, Rebecca, and th that other one, Gwen. That other one. <laughs> Gwen. <laughs> um, everybody, all the players are in the room. Yes. And, uh, 
they keep she, Rebecca keeps kind of getting interrupted. Julian takes a phone call. Then Ethan goes to answer the door and get some. He has to sign some contracts and do all of these things back and forth, back and forth. Finally, but right before Rebecca's like ready to like every everybody's like I'm done with my phone call. I'm done with my contracts. Let's get to it. Eth, uh, Gwen overhears Ethan telling Teresa. If anybody ever tries to split us up, I cut them out of my life forever. Because yes. Teresa is like worried that people might be trying to come between them. Or no, Pilar's worried about it. And Teresa says that to him, mm -hmm. relays Pilar's worries to Ethan. And Ethan says, you know, nothing's going to happen. And if something does, if somebody tries, I will cut them out of my life forever and never speak to them again. Gwen overhears this and is like, we got to pull the plug on this plan. <laughs> We yeah. gotta pull the plug. Ethan, Ethan will never talk to me again, which of course he won't. Like, yeah, that's she's exactly right about this. You know, none of none of this plan that Rebecca has hatched is gonna work, even on paper. Like, I, I just I'm stuck on this point where Rebecca is saying, I'm going to make sure that Julian divorces Ivy and then I will be the next Julian Crane then I'll control Julian sexually and I'll get him to adopt Ethan and then you can marry your brother-in-law or whatever. Yeah, you, um, your stepbrother. We'll you can marry your stepbrother. You yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, there's got to be, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> there's got to be a better way. You've got to be kidding me. I, so, <laughs> Rebecca... Uh, Gwen tells Rebecca, like, we have to, we have to pull a plug on this. Ethan, I just heard Ethan say that he'll, he'll cut me out of his life. Like, and, um, so Rebecca is like a deer in the headlights. Everybody's looking at her. She's got this fucking letter. She's like, uh, okay, plan B. And she says, well, I, you know, I just, maybe I shouldn't do this. I maybe. And Julian then takes the letter out of her hand. Yes, he does. Like. Well, if you won't make the announcement, then I will. And she manages to get it back away from him. Um, but it was an interesting moment. Like, I kind of loved that. I, a part of me was like, I wish that Julian had opened it and read it. But, like, that would have been such a, I mean, the way it yes. comes out is so incredibly explosive. But that, just him, like, the moment of him reading in it and, like, figuring out what the fuck it is. And everyone that's involved is there, except Grace, like Grace maybe, but like yeah. it would have been the perfect time. Yeah. yeah. But it was so fun to see Rebecca and Gwen kind of petrified for a moment there that everything was about to come crashing down in front of them. And it could have been a really good moment for that actor to just like, again, show some humanity. It would have been a really yeah. good, that would have been a really, if they want to keep going down that road, that would have been a very good way to do it because he, he's shown us that he has love for his kids yes. more than his father does. He, he, he thinks it makes sense to have love for his kids. He loves Ethan. He does. He does love Ethan. He's, he's, he has said that he is clear that he's not, he loves him in his own special way. Um, he loves him in his, in his fashion. Um, but he does not read the letter. Uh, Rebecca takes it back and says, well, the announcement was that I want to, Gwen and I want to throw an engagement party for Ethan and Teresa. Uh. And the other part of the announcement is because Ethan presses her and is like, well, you said it had something to do with me and my father though. And she says, oh, well, I want to have a portrait commissioned of you <laughs> and your father. And the fact that 
anybody accepts this is beyond absurd to me. Right? Especially Ivy. Ivy's known Rebecca since they went to college. She knows that she knows Rebecca's devious, manipulative. I, I can't believe that she's just taking her at face value here. Well, and then Rebecca says, oh, and we can't have the party at my house. We have to have it at yours. <laughs> so now not only are you have you said you're throwing a party for the woman that you hate and the man that threw over your daughter, mm-hmm. but now we you're not having it at your house. We have to host the party like you're going to throw a party, but we have to host the party. Yeah rude so incredibly rude no kidding yeah and 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 then uh she advises Teresa Rebecca advises Teresa that well honey you need to really be getting your wedding announcement into the papers because people people will talk and they'll think it's a shotgun wedding because you're doing everything so fast and blah 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 she's like I'll help you write the announcement Teresa lets her help her they get on the computer they write an announcement and then Teresa's like and now I can email it to everyone. Emails are really cool thing where you can just send things all over the world. It, I mean, I just loved this like commercial for email, which is just like so wonderful. But so they email her announcements to all of the newspapers, every major newspaper in the world, which would take so long to find all those email addresses. Oh yeah, first no of all. kidding, right? But, but second of all, they do that, and Rebecca gets that twinkle in her eye. She's like, hmm, yeah. email, you say. Ha, email, that's it. And so she formulates this plan to send this letter to tabloids, right? Email it to all the tabloids. Um, I do want to talk about, before we continue on, the fact that anybody lets Rebecca throw a party for Ethan and Teresa, help her write anything, be in the same space. Um, Because Rebecca was the one who tried to send Teresa to the other side of the world, lied to Ethan. And they all know this. This is the thing that Ethan and Teresa know, right? Lied to Teresa, lied to Ethan. uh, uh, and, And then Gwen tried to murder Teresa, yes, murder her, came to house bad. a week ago, a week ago, okay, it has not been very long, okay, since, since Gwen came to her house with a baseball bat and tried, and then strangled her, locked her mom in a closet, and start, tried to kill, literally murder her, told her she was going to murder her, told her she was going to murder her, and she would get away with it. Yeah, and now one week later, we're throwing you a party. Congratulations. Now I'm going to throw you a sports. fucking party? No, no fucking way would I accept that party. No way. No. And I know that, like, wedding announcements are, like, a really small part of an engagement. They might not even be something that a lot of people do. But, like, I would think that that's something that, like, you'd want to do the two of you, maybe. Or maybe with, like, somebody, maybe with a writer or something. I don't know. But to have your ex's mom be the one to inform that announcement it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense but anyway this is what is happening this is (laughs) what this is this is the passion's way and it is we have to accept it this is what has happened it is what is happening there's a party there's going to be a giant engagement party um we find out the next i guess the next day or a couple of days like the passion's time warp is insane is insane but um that party that the engagement party is happening whatever day it is tonight it's happening 
we get to the day where of the engagement party we skip over whatever had happened in between well uh ethan checks in with sheridan Teresa checks in with Luis. they all talk about finding true love and how nothing bad can happen to them now <laughs> meanwhile the tabloid reporters are like debating on whether they should print this story or not without ever getting in touch with like the cranes to have. And you know what, right. as a journalist, I would like for you to talk about this because I feel like you can't, you would never print something about somebody's family like that and not try to get like, tell no. them about it because you would be liable right like you are you this could be slander this could be libel like you you could really be putting your publication in big big legal trouble especially when you go against a family like the cranes right it's like go it's like going up against the fucking vanderbilts yeah i mean like it's 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 crazy um but yeah i mean like if you did come across some like really big information like that i mean the first thing you want to do is maybe verify it because maybe some things are too good to be true and it's just you know and that's the editor even says that's the first thing the editor says to the reporter is can we verify this and he's like nope but we don't need to and it's like you know that's your that's your first mistake right there but yeah even if you're publishing something about the cranes you're gonna have to give alistair crane a call at some point to get his side of the story in or to even just like give them a heads up this is going to be in the post tomorrow if there's you know if you would like to have your side of the story in, you're gonna have to get back to me by this time and right. you know what i will say that like maybe all reporters don't do this but like if it's a really big story and you're reaching out to a really big person i would give them plenty of time to get back to you i would say like don't get back to me by five o'clock today it would be like carve out like a week of time two weeks of time and you would be following up with them and making like you know efforts to get a hold of them and if you don't then like yikes it's just not gonna go well especially yeah. with alistair crane he is going to bankrupt you and yeah you'll you'll be done in this town it's Especially considering you have no source. You have yeah. no source. Well, right? You don't okay, know what your source here's is. the thing, though. You have no source, but this is going to be a whole thing with, with this whole storyline with the, the email. But you can at least look and see who the email's from. And that's going to be a whole thing is where they are having a hard time figuring out the source of the email. But I don't understand why that is such a... Uh, such an ordeal i'm gonna tell you right now because the people who wrote this show did not understand how email worked oh my god you're that's, totally like, right I, that's, 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 <laughs> they didn't understand how email worked because when as i was watching this i think rebecca says or maybe the the guy says it was like an anonymous some an, an anonymous email no such thing no like like, I mean, you can, yes, you can make an email address that, that doesn't have your name or anything attached yeah. to it, blah, blah, blah. You can do that. Rebecca didn't do that. No, maybe, it'd be one it. thing if maybe like she went to a website and like typed something in like a tip line or whatever, you could do that anonymous maybe, yeah, maybe. but like she didn't do that. She emailed every, you know, publication in the world. From um, like so Teresa's email. Yeah, from Teresa's email. So it's, like, it's, I don't it's know. probably like Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald <laughs> at, at AOL. Hotmail. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah anyway they do that and and she does she emails the, the thing and the reporters decide they're gonna print it tonight then they find out that there's gonna be this whole big party the reporter's planning on crashing the party with the story so that he can get everybody's reactions <laughs> and take pictures it's this whole thing I'm looking forward to it personally. Yeah. Um, but it, the editor, the editor like agrees to this, this ridiculous scheme and is like, we're going to make history. We're going to destroy the mighty cranes. Yes. Well, I guess, I guess this daily private lives tabloid, they've been completely shut out of any like access to the crane family. It seems like so. Yeah. They're, you know, the whole time they've been in business, the cranes haven't had anything to do with the sleazy tabloid. So, you know, uh, instead of getting the record straight, we're going to tear down the almighty Alistair Crane. Yeah. Um, and so that's like mostly it. Teresa and Ethan go around town inviting people to their party tonight. Like, what? No, I can't come to your party. That's tonight. Yeah. No kidding. But you know what? It's passions. Everyone will make it work. And yeah. you know what? It's a perfect little umbrella kind of story to get everyone together. And we're going to find out we're going to have this culmination of Ethan's paternity. And we're going to have this Sheridan um, revelation from Alistair. We're going to see Grace and her pregnancy and she can't have any shocks. And this is going to certainly be surprising. I am um, so excited. And I somehow so I have excited. this feeling that mad there's going to be some something magical about this night that somehow oh. magic <laughs> oh. is gonna get involved. Yeah, let us not forget Charity's also supposed to die tonight. She feels it. Hecky was saying it. Shit, shit is about to go down, and I am very excited. Very, very excited. So uh, the only thing I want to say is Ethan. At one point, Teresa keep saying to Ethan how she wants she doesn't want to embarrass him in front of all his like society friends and that she wants she wants to impress them she wants to she wants to make sure that they're impressed thoroughly impressed by her I guess and she's so worried about like oh god one thing I do want to talk about her hair was awful did you notice she had like the weird like little ponytails that like start right here and it was like 10 of them across the back of her yeah. why would they do that to that beautiful girl I know. Oh gosh, her she hair was beautiful really when she finally came out in her dress. Though, mm -hmm. like she looked great. Lindsay Hartley is just a beautiful person, but like, yeah, yeah that was yeah. a shame. Ethan arranges for her to have like a, a glam squad come. Yes, the glam squad, and they get her and Pilar all dressed up, and they look great. I didn't like Pilar's dress, but I did love that she got to wear a gown. I I, I didn't mind the dress, but I thought that the like necklace thing was a little bit extra. I just mm. thought it was kind of like clunky or it looked like it would be heavy, maybe. But yeah. you know, and it was really it was really nice to see Pilar. At first, she was very like. This is just not an experience that Polaris had having a glam squad come to her house and do her makeup and put her in a pretty dress. This is something that she sees happening around her while she's working and, and doing other things. And so she was really like apprehensive and reluctant at first to kind of be all dolled up and stuff like that. It was really wonderful to kind of yeah see her um, indulge a little bit in Teresa's fantasy that is somehow coming true before their eyes. Yeah. Against all odds. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to what's what is to come. But that is the show for today. We are 
finished. We did it, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, thank, you. thank you again. You did such a great job. Loved everything you had to say. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you got anything else to say? Last, any last words? <laughs> no, you know what? It was kind of, uh, it was a little bit of a slow week to come in and do my first podcast, but it was really great to be here. It's been such a blast um, listening to you. It's great to, to talk to you about passions. And uh, I think I'm, I'll be back in a couple of weeks to do another set of episodes. And I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. I think things are starting to get moving as, as the show gets to towards February sweeps, as they call it. In the yeah, I think, world. I think you'll be coming in on like, the all, like full-blown hellfire <laughs> again <laughs> i think that's where we are like full-blown the house is sinking <laughs> you know so uh that should be a lot of fun so i'm really looking forward to seeing you again but well thank you so much for having me and uh no it was really great all right now everybody you remember you can catch me on social media tiktok instagram facebook twitter Trying my, I'm trying my best to post more regularly, but I, it is very tough to do everything by myself. So uh, for, please forgive me, everybody. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening. Again, this is like episode, I don't know, episode 115. Like, well, there's so many episodes of this podcast, which is insane. I can't believe that you and Laura started out doing like one or two at a time. And, and I, I really did enjoy listening to that. But I was like, I, I don't think that you can keep that up i don't think that's feasible <laughs> no, no 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 this is definitely the the, Not the that right path yeah yeah this is the best this is probably the best format to, to actually get through it yeah well thank you all everybody for listening and remember you are my passion, passion for, for life, life. <laughs> uh, really